You're listening to The Corbett Report. CorbettReport.com Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another edition of Corbett Report Radio. I'm your host and guide for the next hour of radio transmission, as always, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, broadcasting to you from my palatial home recording studios here in the sunny climes of western Japan. And yes, we've been hyping this up for quite a while, but it has finally arrived. We've arrived here in on this Tuesday night edition of the broadcast with our interview with Sibel Edmonds of BoilingFrogsPost.com. And I'm sure she needs very little introduction for most of you out there. But of course, if you do need an introduction to herself and her work and what she's done, you can look at some of the previous uh, broadcasts that we've done here. For example, last week on the program, we were highlighting BoilingFrogsPost.com. We've also had her on the program a few times now in the past. So you can look at the archives of CorbettReport.com. But of course, the best place to go for information about Sibel is her own website, BoilingFrogsPost.com, which has news, commentary, video reports, podcasts, and all sorts of information coming out on a daily basis. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. Sabelle, thank you so much for coming on the program tonight. Hi, Jane. Thank you for having me again. Well, it's great to have you here, and uh, I, I'm sure the audience is ready for it. I've already received quite a few emails in anticipation, so it should be an interesting conversation. But perhaps we can just start off talking a little bit about yourself and your own situation. As readers of Boiling Frogs Post might know, you recently moved clear across the country. So uh, tell us how things are going for, for you over there in the left coast. Well, it's been a roller coaster. Uh, we were on the road for almost a month. And we finally got rid of everything in that Sin City, Washington, D.C. I sold my house, every single piece of furniture, and uh, we packed very few things, just albums, and we were on the road for a while, got here, and we are starting all from scratch, basically. We finally moved into a more permanent house. We changed three rental homes, and I've been out of practice, even with interviews, because as I said, having to do this with a with a child, and my daughter is four year old, uh, four years old, and it, it, it's difficult. And I think things are getting gradually uh, settled down around here, and I'm glad because uh, I don't know if I could have taken it any longer. <laughs> it's beautiful here. I'm surrounded by mountains. A lot of people assume Portland, big city. I've always been a big city girl, but this is Bend, Oregon, Central Oregon, population 86,000, and no rush hour traffic, beautiful lakes and rivers, really, really clean, um, environment is beautiful, and people are kind of more laid back, and I'm so glad to be away from all the parasites in Washington, D.C. My neighborhood was filled with all the people with um, top secret clearance, government contract, lobbyists, uh, just you name it. And it kind of feels like a purge, like cleansing. It's like a detox. <laughs> and I feel clean. <laughs> I'm detoxing. Yeah. I can imagine. I, as I understand, you used to have a view that looked out on the Pentagon itself. Yes. yes, I did. I was only two miles from Pentagon and across the river. My house was on the river. Uh, we could see the Capitol building and all the reminders of how bad things are and have you know, have been, and it's so good not to see that. In a way, I feel brand new, and uh, I, I feel a bit laid back, which is unusual for me. I don't think I've ever been laid back in my life. Well, it's a good time to start, I think, and uh, that should be helpful as, uh, obviously, the stress of uh, raising a daughter continues to increase. Is she going to school next year? 
Maybe it depends on the schools around here. She has a play group that she attends four days a week for two and a half hours. I'm seriously looking into homeschooling. Uh, I know you had a great programs about vaccinations and how to opt out. I am extremely concerned. We have done several interviews on this topic. So that issue is very important. But I also am hearing about new waves of um, uh, integration of Department of Homeland Security and schools. They had the high school as targets. Now they are moving to middle school and elementary school. And if that were to be the case, I don't think I'm going to send my daughter to public schools anywhere around here. I can certainly understand that sentiment. All right, we're coming up against our first break, so let's take a short breather. But when we come back, we'll continue our talk with Sibel Edmonds of BoilingFrogsPost.com. If you haven't checked it out yet, please check it out now. We'll be back just after these messages. All right, friends, welcome back to the broadcast. This is Corbett Report Radio, and I am James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. Tonight we have Sibel Edmonds on the line from BoilingFrogsPost.com. And just up on the front page right now, there's the latest nightly news and editorial. There's also an article from Dr. Paul Craig Roberts, The Virtual Recovery. There's a, a new or newish interview with Pepe Escobar conducted by Peter B. Collins, who was on the program last last week. Uh, there's the Reality Principle Episode 2 is still up there on the front page. Again, just so much information coming out there on a daily basis that it's difficult even for me to keep up with it. And this is uh, this is pretty much all I do. So, <laughs> so it is a ton of information. So, so Sabel, let's start talking a little bit about Boiling Frogs. Of course, last week on the program we were featuring the website and talking about it. But let's hear direct from the uh, the website creator herself. Let's let's talk a little bit about how Boiling Frogs came together and uh, when it all started. Um. Well, we all know about and have known about the mainstream media and the lack of coverage and all the propaganda and lies. And uh, before 2009, I rarely even blogged. I was not even familiar with the blogosphere. But then what started really troubling me was that a lot of these uh, entities that marketed and sold themselves as alternative media they were not alternative. Either they were uh, recycling the same news and propaganda given to us by the mainstream media, or uh, they basically had loyalty to some party or entities like the foundations. Uh, if you were to go and look at George Soros and see how many uh, mainstream media and uh, alternative, so-called quasi-alternative uh, media outlets, his foundation sponsors, that will give you a clear picture. And and the first thing you would want to ask yourself is, why in the world George Soros, okay, the guy with his agenda, the same corporate guy that we all uh, are fighting against, why would he sponsor all these little uh, miniature alternatives, quasi-alternative sources? So, uh, and he's like one example. The same thing is true with Carnegie Endowment and then uh, Rockefeller Foundations. So I actually saw that there really wasn't any uh, source that I could consider alternative. I mean, outside a handful of people that I regularly followed, you know, your, your website, and I have been following David Swanson's website, and, and, and now there are few, uh, there are quite few of those, and that's good, but they are usually operated by singular entities. 
independent people who are not getting money from large corporations or the corporate foundation sugar daddies like Rockefellers and Soros. And the other thing that really bugged me was that intense partisanship that was nauseating. I give you one example quickly. I know you're going to go into break again. But um, take somebody that I used to think she was really good, okay? And that's Democracy Now! Amy Goodman. I was on her show five times or six times during Bush administration, okay? In 2008, and he's she's really, really backed by Soros Foundation. The guy who was managing Soros Foundation's uh, money that were channeled to this media, his name is Mort Halprin. I mean, this guy's name goes all the way back to Pentagon paper, and he's actually a good friend of Dan Ellsberg. I have met him a few times. Mort Halprin asked Amy Goodman not to cover me because I was uh, with the Democrats, with Obama, I was not measured in my, in my criticism. And I was cut out, okay? I was completely cut out from her show. And even with the book coming, even with the Justice Department fighting the book, she said she was not going to touch me. But she was hungry for, for what I had to say once upon a time during the Bush administration. That's just one example of how these things work here in the United States. And that partisanship, that agenda, that, that, I mean, there are so many things that you just get to have smoke and mirrors and you really don't get to see the facts. Well, with that purpose, I wanted to have a site that we, you know, would feature the issues, the important issues or those that I perceive to be important without the partisanship, without any strings to any corporate foundations or any corporate advertisement, and by people who are independent and who are willing to get out of these little boxes the system has trained people to get into. Because there are these layers and there are these mini boxes and they even a lot of people who are knowledgeable, they are refusing to get out of it. You know, one example is 9-11. Thou shall not touch the issue 9-11. I have had good reporters saying that actually they had a lot of questions, but they were advising me not to cover it on my website because they said it would ruin my reputation. You know, I mean... So many reasons to start Boiling Frog's post. And it started as a little blog. And then I started actually, through Boiling Frog's post, uh, I started to meet and get to know other independent-minded people. You know, the editorial cartoonist we have, Paul Jamiel, uh, yourself. You know, I, I became a big fan of yours, and I kept watching your programs, and I was waiting to see, catch something that, that smelled either partisanship or... Well, I'm like, okay, here's another pure source that is giving, you know, real perspective without all the gunks mixed into it. And, uh, of course, Eric Dreitzer, you know, all the great people that gradually came together as partners. And this is something that I always emphasize. Sometimes people send me emails or send a note and say, oh, I understand this person works for your Boiling Frogs post. And I say, no, 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 you don't have it right. We have partners. We are all equal partners. And this website is the partnership website with us and also our supporters. So there is no ownership here in Boiling Frogs Post. And all the revenues that we get from people and only from people, I don't have advertisement. I don't get a single penny from any foundation, sugar daddies, or, or partisan groups. The only revenue we receive is the money.
money that people contribute or they subscribe to Boiling Frog's post, it gets based on the amount of work divided among these partners. And we have been expanding. I Actually, when I look at it, I can't believe that we have expanded this much. We haven't had any glitches. I don't want to jinx it, and I'm not somebody who thinks in those terms, like jinxing it, but because all our people are independent. For example, when you produce a show, I don't micromanage or tell you what it's it's your show for Boiling Frog's Post. Same thing for Andrew Gavin Marshall, Eric Kreitzer. Everybody produces independently. There is no management. There is no board of directors. There is no structure like that. Therefore, people are exposed to all these different views. You know, whether it's Paul Craig Roberts coming from a certain angle or his great uh, Rick Rosoff, you know, from Stop NATO. He's he one of the top, if not the top experts on NATO. I mean, he, this guy's great. So I, I, when I'm putting these articles out, people are like, oh, I detect some libertarianism in this person or some anarchism. I'm like, wonderful. That's exactly what I want. Exactly. Bringing together different viewpoints under one roof. And, and I think you've done a remarkable job of that. There is a wide range of positions and, and, uh, and, and people have different perspectives that they bring to it. So last week, for example, we were talking to Peter B. Collins, Andrew Gavin Marshall, Eric Dreitzer, as you mentioned, Paul Jamiel. Some of the writers include Rick Rosoff, Paul Greg Roberts, William Engdahl. Um, it, again, just a remarkable range of people who are contributing to the site in one way or another and uh, and doing, I think, some valuable work of spreading some of this information. But on that note, uh, you do mention that, of course, this is all brought to the people by the people themselves. And on that note, there's a new way to, for people to support that's going to be available very soon, which is a new DVD. Let's let's talk a little bit about that. Right. Well, uh, your show, I mean, we, we have been covering through you these great topics that I don't get to see anywhere else. I and, and I'm on the internet. I'm researching to just do my nightly news. I spend on average four to five hours a day. And I go through these articles and I just try to detect, uh-huh, this is this or or this particular one from Al Jazeera. It just doesn't add up. So I'm out there and I'm looking and I'm like, who is covering the issue that we just spoke about before the show started vaccination? And, and how to opt out or uh, psychological warfare. I mean, these are extremely important issues that nobody else is covering. And to know that, okay, these videos, initially we make them available to subscribers, but then we archive them and we open it to everyone. So after three, four weeks, the videos are available to everyone. But also, as we know, with the Internet, it's not a safe place to be. It's good to have hard copies of these great shows. And and that's why we select, we say, okay, the stuff we're going to do on police estate, or maybe next we're going to cover the psychological warfare. Let's make this available produce this, and it's basically through you and Paul Jamiel and, and together make this DVD so people can get it and have it. They can share it with other people. But also, you know, with connectivity, some people, they don't have high-speed Internet. And I have received notes saying, you know, they don't have reliable uh, high-speed Internet. And our viewers are not only from the United States. We have viewers from all over the world. And it's amazing. Last time, our last DVD series that we had, the DVD, uh, I would say easily 25-30% of it went outside to other countries. So it's also good that way to uh, to sell that so people can get it. And it ends up being a little bit of revenue once we pay for our cost and everything for Boiling Frogs Post, for everyone, for all partners. 
but also people get to have it. You know, they can, it says copyrighted, but you know, I, I would look the other way. If people were to say, I'm going to make copies to give it to my friends. I want to raise awareness. And if that's the purpose for it, I would love it. Um, <laughs> exactly right. Well, that is how the word spreads, and it's uh, it's always so heartful for myself as well to inter- interact with people literally all around the world from all continents. Except I've never received any feedback from Antarctica, but uh, there's <laughs> you never know. One day I might get a message from a penguin. But uh, on that note, we're coming up against another break, so we'll take another break. We'll continue talking about what's on this forthcoming DVD, and we'll talk about some of the issues that are being covered right now on BoilingFrogsPost.com. So let's take a short break, and we'll be right back. After these messages. All right, welcome back to the broadcast, friends. Once again, we are talking to Sibel Edmonds of BoilingFrogsPost.com. I hope you will go there to check out the information that's available and also the forthcoming Boiling Frogs Post DVD. For those of you out there who don't know, there has also been a DVD in the past, the first volume of the Boiling Frogs Post DVD that included several of my eye-opener reports as well as an interview with Sibel and a Paul Jamiel editorial cartoon gallery. And on the forthcoming DVD, we're going to be featuring some of my uh, eye-opener reports on the police state and on the FBI and how it responds to FOIA requests, also covering the TSA and uh, the, the tyranny that it's bringing to America, as well as an interview that I conducted with Andrew Gavin Marshall and another Paul Jamiel tune gallery. So uh, so let's talk a little bit about the issue of the police state and, uh, and, and how really wh- why it's important to be covering this topic. Well... I would say for me, the most uh, significant aspect of the police state issues currently that we are under police state is the fact that for a lot of people, it seems to be or it sounds like a radical thing to say. The moment you say, well, we are living under police state in the U.S., they will say, oh, that is so radical. We are far from it, sure. You know, they have really decreased our civil liberties, and that usually happens in the United States during the wartime, which we haven't had. We had any wartime. Think about it. It was the Cold War, and we had the Korean War, and we have always had wartime. And, and uh, oh, 9-11, these are, you know, this stuff happens. But then even I'm talking about professors because I got a master's degree in public policy, and this is how my professors talked about it. Well, Sibel, I wouldn't be that troubled with these uh, civil liberties issues. In the United States, we have this pendulum, you know. It swings this way, and then it swings that way, all by itself, you know. And I I kept watching, and this was in 2002, and I'm like, I mean, this pendulum has been swinging only one way. I mean, it's not coming back. And if you look at the, 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 the concept police state, okay, and what constitutes a police state, and then look at where we are today, how we have been really under the police state, under these uh, government surveillance systems one way or another, you would know that, yes, we are under it. And the other misconception people have, they believe there is this clear line, there's like this border that, that everybody would agree with, that once you cross that, everybody would declare, hello, we are under police state. You know, it, it's it's... In, in a way, people think it's maybe it is not subjective and, and it will be obvious that we would just jump the fence and now we are under the police state. Then I tell them that every day your emails, your phone calls, your faxes, 
you're going to the ATM machine, all this being watched, all this being watched is being collected, okay? The fact that when you go to the airport, when we go to the airport, we are being funneled head to toe, okay? We are made to remove our shoes. And in one of the articles I wrote was the symbolic effect of it. Because if you step back and you watch people go through those lines and unlace their shoes and then they bend over before these badge people, the government people, to remove their shoes, it is symbolic. It is bowing before the kings. And, and, but they do so, we do so without even blinking. And it happened so fast. I mean, it was 9-11 and within two years we started doing this. And, and, and now it has become a fact of life. And that is the scariest and the most important characteristic of police state. That people start doing it automatically, right? Robots, and it won't feel like something strange. And, and that's the part that really bugs me. And that's why I always emphasize here with our nightly news, with the articles, with the interviews. And that is people are not bugged by it. Most people are not bothered by it. They have gotten used to it and they are considering the fact of life. And to me, that's a top characteristic of a police state. And, and that's where we are today. And it's not something radical. It's a fact. It's- and, it's sad. I mean, it is, it is such a psychological effect that it has on people, isn't it? And, uh, and even myself, when I watch a, a movie from, from be- before 9-11 where they're going through airport security and it's just walking through a metal detector or whatever, and I, I, it strikes me again, oh, yeah, that's not normal that we do this. It's not something that was ever part of our lives before 9-11. And it, it takes something like that for people to realize just how far that pendulum has swung and how, how it's, uh, there's no conceivable way it's going to swing back unless people start actually noticing that it's swung. Absolutely. And and the other thing, and that's unfortunate, unless it personally happens to someone that they get personally, truly, like negatively affected harshly, they don't realize it. Again, another example I give people, that grandmother in Florida, uh, she was, you know, her diaper was pulled out and she was outraged and she was on all these networks talking about it, saying this is police state. If you would have talked with that same grandmother in Florida, two days, one day before that incident, he would have said, oh, those young men, they are trying to keep our country safe. They are protecting us from the terrorists. But, you know, if, if I haven't done anything wrong, it won't bother us. They won't come after us. They are only after the terrorists. But once she was subject to that violation, that search, when she was singled out, when she was humiliated, that's when she came out and she said, this is a police state. And, and the same thing is true. I remember right after 9-11, during one of my master's degree classes. Um, uh, All right, Sabella, we'll have to hold it there. We're coming up against another break, unfortunately. But if you hold that, we can c- come back on that point. So let's take another short breather. Once again, talking to Sabella Edmonds, BoilingFrogsPost.com. We'll be back right after these messages.
All right, friends, welcome back to the broadcast. Once again, this is Corbett Report Radio. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And if you're just tuning in tonight, we are talking to Sibel Edmonds of BoilingFrogsPost.com. And we're talking about some of the um, very many topics that are covered there. So I, again, I hope you will check out the website. And right now we're talking about the Boiling Frogs Post new forthcoming DVD that's going to be concentrating on the police state, how the police state is defined, the different types of gadgets and technologies they're rolling out in support of it, how it's not just an American police state, but a coordinated effort around the world. All sorts of different aspects of the police state are being examined. And just before the break, we were talking about the uh, the TSA tyranny at the airports and how people are being psychologically conditioned to accept this. And Sabelle, you were just on the verge of a story before we were so rudely interrupted. Perhaps you can pick up from that. Well, I'm always into this story. I don't know what happens when once I start talking, I just bring in all the stories. And then, believe me, after a while, if people can just hold up and listen, they start coming together. <laughs> but I was in a class in 2000, end of 2002, and uh, we had a few people, Middle Eastern and, and, and you know, Arabs and, and uh, foreign students, and some of them actually had become citizens. They were not, you know, they were originally from those countries. But uh, they, they stood up and they were telling the professor about how they were being singled out in the airports. This was initially when not everybody went through the searches and, and, and they were being profiled and how it took five hours to get out of the airport and they were subjected to all these interrogations, etc. And we had several African-Americans there, blacks in the class, and they were just laughing and they said, dude, where have you been? Now you understand. You know, now you know what it is to be pulled up and, and, and now you feel, because we've been talking about this for you know, uh, almost a century. But that's the thing about for that to apply to each person and to say, okay, now I know and now I'm going to find it. Well, are we going to wait that long to say everyone's perceived and see that it happens to them and they are directly affected? Because when I talk to people outside, and it's so frustrating, they say, I know NSA is listening to me, but I'm not a terrorist. I'm not doing anything wrong. Therefore, I don't have anything to hide, so I'm not bothered. It's the government. I mean, it, I went through all this history classes when I came to the United States in 1988, and then I went through the, all this college history classes, and, and one of the, there was this one class, and it talked about purely about notion of Americanism and what it is to be an American. And one of the first characteristics was supposed to be, at least in the textbooks, that we are wary of the government. We have this very, you know, huge mistrust of government. Well, I have no idea what happened to that notion because that's not what I see. Oh, no, now they just dress the tyranny in a flag and everyone salutes it. And, uh, and, uh, of course not everyone. I shouldn't, I shouldn't paint with such a broad brush. There are people who see through this and there are people who don't. And it's always the question of what is the difference there? And I think we've touched on it a little bit. It is when it affects people on the personal level, they, they often start to understand what the system really is. But is that the only possible way to get people to see through this? If so, that, that uh, paints a kind of a bleak picture. It means that we have to have tyranny against every Everyone before everyone will be aware of it. Yeah, I hope it's not, but it's, I, I, I have become quite pessimistic. You see, I lived under tyrannical governments in Turkey, in Iran, but there was one positive thing there. People were not under this delusion, and they didn't deny it. Everybody knew, and they admitted it, and they, there was always this talk that they wanted to get over this, or have revolution, or have change. That kind of gives you the hope that, okay, 
things are going to change, or there's this this hope. This uh, there's a reason for optimism. Here, everything is combined with this denial, and for me, that's the scariest thing to 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 hear and and to see if the fact that people are either in denial, or for some reason they pair that image with their nationalism, and 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 because of that, they just themselves they take their you know hands up and they just pull that blinder and they tug it tight and they're like I don't want to hear you about Edmonds you bother me when you talk about this stuff I get offended I mean to me that's the scary thing because I didn't come across that in Turkey believe me or not I didn't I didn't come across that in Iran I didn't come across that under communism in Azerbaijan I didn't but I am hearing that almost every time I try to speak with outsiders or they want to change the topic it's like yeah. uh, let's talk yeah. about something else yeah I mean, lighten see, up lighten like, up <laughs> in Washington DC it was uh, kind of explained because people would tell me okay my husband has a government contract even though he works in a private entity and if we associate with him think uh, you know this is our livelihood so please understand but even here in in Oregon uh I have come across one or two like-minded people who are awake and aware and they're talking about self-sufficiency and they're learning how to plant and do things believe me or not but a lot of people they you just see it from their physical response the the body language first you know it starts with this and then you know averting their eyes and changing the topic and I stop myself you know I don't want to go and stalk them but To me, that is the scariest part. That the majority don't want to know about it, even when it's right in front of them. When it's right in front of them, they want to look the other way, and and mm. that is the scary part. It is. It genuinely is. But you you say that you're 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 becoming pessimistic. The other alternative to that is that you're becoming realistic, which which is obviously a much nicer way of putting it because it means that you're at least facing the situation as it exists. And something that I've noticed in in your podcast work, for example, with uh, with Peter B. Collins, is that uh, several times you've had guests on that have been promoting uh, the types of solutions we've heard for an awfully long time about writing your congressman and things like this. And you have, I I, I give you full credit for for challenging a lot of your guests on that type of thinking and this is the exact type of thinking that has led us to the point we're at right now there has to be other solutions so so i applaud you for doing that tell us a little bit about your own political perspective and and where you fall on the spectrum or if you're outside of the spectrum where where are you politically right now i don't think i've ever been either democrat or republican but before all this experience i was a political person but mainly international politics i was always involved with issues that involved palestine and and israel and also us foreign policy because as a child i was a direct recipient of us foreign policy uh, operations in whether in iran you know supporting the shah there this is before the revolution islamic revolution and actually cia team coming to iran helping shah set up sabat and put together all those equipments for torture under the name of fighting communism i was there and then we left we were we ran away we went back to turkey and then we had the uh, the coup the 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 coup of 1981 in turkey the military coup 
which was completely backed by the United States. You know, they brought all their Turkish guys that they had been grooming here. They had all IMF positions, World Bank positions, CIA positions. They came and they took over. And we went through all the curfews, et cetera, et cetera. So I was the recipient. I was political that way, but I was not really involved in the uh, party politics here. Today, more and more, I find myself, uh, my friend Michael Osterling makes a good distinction between the two, libertarian with little L, not the capital L, not the party, but, but the more libertarian ideas. And, and I get to see their points more, and I, most of the time I side with them. One of our guests, I mean, I think we were talking with uh, Eric, Eric Ritzer, and uh, about the anti-austerity movement, and the question I wanted to raise was, it, one of the contradictory things to me is, even with uh, the progressives that they say government right now is awful, okay? They're spying on us, they are bundling us, et cetera, et cetera, no privacy. I mean, how do you want to trust the same government with your medical care and with all your education? You know, you can't have it. I'm sorry. We can't have it. We can't have it both ways. We can't have this big government and give them you know, this government, all entrust them with our health and with our education and depend on them, you know, with our everything, retirement, we depend on them, and then say, but we don't like the other things you're doing and we want to fight you. It's the same thing with whistleblowers. The reason most people don't blow the whistle is because they don't want to lose their employment. They don't want to be fired. They don't want to be stalked and harassed in jail. Well, you give all the other rights to the government. Now they have even more things to take away from you. And and to me, that's that's the contradictory things that a lot of people, actually people in my circle, they disagree with because they say, well, progressive. In New Zealand, maybe it's a different story. With 4 million people, from what I saw, things looked good. But we haven't seen the whole story yet. We haven't seen it in the long term. But here in the United States, I I just can't see myself on one hand Fighting the government, on the other hand, say, government, you help me, you feed me, okay? You take care of my education, my child's education, my health care, and you can't have it. I'm sorry, you just can't have it. And one of the questions I used to get in early 2000 was, why don't we see many whistleblowers in France and, and, and in Germany? And uh, it's a possibility, maybe it's a hypothesis, and I would like for someone to actually get into it and find out more in a more scientific way, but... I wonder how much of it has to do with half of the population working for the government and, and relying on government so much. I'm saying, you know, that may be a pure fluff hypothesis, but the reason they're saying, well, why there's so many whistleblowers, maybe still some notions of that distrust of government and independence uh, is just some left over from that, that that gives rise to people speaking out and saying, you know, no, uh, I'm going to go and I'm going to fight this, or I'm going to go and I'm going to blow the whistle, I'm going to tell the public that you're engaging in criminal activities. So anyhow, the, 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 the short answer <laughs> uh, to your question should have been, Politically, I've never been a party person. I don't like parties. I don't like structures like that. That's That was why I was mentioning the fact that we don't have board of directors for Boiling Frogs Post. When I established National Security Whistleblowers Coalition, I had those sugar daddies. Actually, they had their guys and ladies come to me and say, you know, we give you 5000 or 10000 help you set up. However, we have set up rules in order to give grants, okay, the bribery, the grants, and one of the rules is that you set up a board of director, 
not people from your, you know, organization, and you bring in some of these people from these different foundations or the people who've been for a long time sponsored by our foundation, you know, such as such lawyers and professor this and that who works for Soros and who works for Carnegie and who, for, who works for Ford, and the board of advisors and the board of directors, well, that's another way of getting you. They are in control. You know, you come up with the idea, you have your members, your whistleblowers, and they come and they see that you're becoming a little bit popular. They say, all right, control them with the money and control them with the management. I don't like that kind of structure of, of, of putting together that party and really trying to narrow down things way too much and make it too simplistic. You know, I, I mean, people sit down and for hours they're debating and it's their, you know, philosophy and thought, and I don't mean any disrespect, hours on, on either a portion or things. And right now I'm trying to survive and not to go to Guantanamo Bay. And for me, it, it is that when those little differences become the divisive points among people, and, 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 and from there, you never get to really accomplish anything, either in terms of revolution or real change or however you want to call it, because you're so bogged down and busy talking about some little detailed things there and fight and bicker over it that, that you just totally lose the grasp of that bigger picture. And that's what happens with organizations and all those board of directors business and all the bureaucracy, which I totally love bureaucracy. <laughs> I'm anti-bureaucracy. Who is pro bureaucracy other than the bureaucrats? I mean, it's it's a good gig if you can get it, I guess. But but you point out such an important point of how this works psychologically, and it was captured beautifully in a recent uh, video from We Are Changed by uh, Luke Rudkowski, who was out on the streets of uh, Manhattan. He was asking uh, people about various policies that Romney is promoting. Romney is saying that uh, that, for example, he wants to start a presidential kill list, and uh, Romney is saying blah blah blah. And he he went through all the things that Obama has already done in his first. First term, and he's talking to Obama supporters, and all of them said, "Oh, this is terrible. I won't vote for Romney. Oh, I, I can't believe that we'd even contemplate that. Uh, you know, what about the Constitution, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And then at the end of the video, he reveals, "Oh, actually, I lied to you. That's all of what Obama has actually done during his first term." And and pretty much there was one or two people who said, "Really? Wow, I'll have to reconsider." But most of the people were just found a way to justify it instantly on the spot by saying, "Well, I'm for Obama's for on health care, so I'll vote for him anyway." And that is the sickness that really does pervade the system, and it's such a s- simple trick, but it works so devastatingly effectively, and it keeps people going around in these circles time and time and time again. And the question is, how do we break people out of those circles? I think, I mean, I, I, right now I'm thinking, because I'm always thinking, what more can we do? How can we be more effective? You know, what you are doing, for example, what we are doing with Boiling Frogs Post, but I say that, and as you, as as people see, we have continued it. But again, when I step back and look at the result, I do get realistic, <laughs> pessimistic, and say, "Oh, they're going there, millions and tens of millions. They're going to those booths, and they're casting their vote, and it's, they're going to pat themselves on the shoulder, make feel good. I was a responsible citizen. Look, and and it's so simple, and that's what I try to tell people. Think about this." big, huge king or system or whatever you want to call it, some sort of a god, and it gives you two of his favorites. I mean, you can mix it like this, okay, and say, look, I give you two options. I pick those two options for you. I love both of them, okay? You know, they're both like my kiddos. 
one of them I'm going to paint it red, the other one I'm going to paint it blue, one of them I'm going to put a capital R, the other one I'm going to put a D, and I'm going to say, you go and pick and feel good and think you're have, you have power as a citizen. It really doesn't make a difference who you vote for. And if you look back, at least for the last several decades, do you really see that much difference? I mean, in rhetoric, yes. In, in talking about things, yes. But in terms of action, government here has been getting bigger nonstop, okay? We have been in wars constantly, nonstop. Okay, it was that boogeyman communism and the Soviet Union. We had to replace it. Okay, without 9-11, without having this perpetual war that we have that will never end, there's no wall to come down like the Berlin Wall, they would go bankrupt. And you're looking at people who are sitting on hundreds of billions of dollars. Notre Grumman, Boeing, what are they going to do? I mean, they're going to have this inventory and they're going to get rusty because the world is peaceful. We must have boogeymen. We must have terrorists. Without boogeymen and terrorists, those people won't make it, okay? And the system, the government won't last because during peacetime, people will start, look, after the Soviet Union, okay, after the communism boogeyman was gone, we had this period, then people will start being more outspoken, saying, well, now we don't have war. Now we don't have this excuse of we have to put all our money on the, you know, defense. I'm sorry, it's offense. There's nothing defensive about it. Therefore, I want to take back some of the stuff that you've been taking away from me, Right. Well, they can't ever let that happen, the government. No, we must have terrorists, we must have boogeymen, we must have enemies. If we don't get to see them, we go create one, okay? And we want to keep you busy with wars and that type of expenditure and all the restriction on our, on your liberties that we can impose on you. That's the story of it. And you go and vote. Okay, we're going to have to take our final break, but we'll be right, right back after these messages to wrap up things with Sibel Edmonds. All right, friends, welcome back to the final moments of tonight's edition of Corbett Report Radio. Once again, we are talking to Sibel Edmonds at BoilingFrogsPosted.com. And we have a tweet in from Lee in WY on Twitter, uh, at MilkMushMeat, who says that mention that Boiling Frogs Post can now take checks and MOs, money orders, for kooks like me that don't use PayPal. So <laughs> for any of you out there who don't use PayPal, and my hat's off to you for avoiding that particular beast, uh, Boiling Frogs does take uh, credit card Credit card? Checks and money orders. And credit cards, perhaps? Uh, we do it through Authorized Net. Right. And we added that just a couple of months ago because a lot of people, they didn't want to deal with PayPal. The only reason we put PayPal is for subscription. But for donations, we do accept any forms of donations, including Authorized Net. Even though they charge you monthly fees, uh, it still it gives people another option, yes. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, finally, uh, last time we had you on, we were talking about your uh, memoir, Classified Woman. Let's talk a little bit about what's happened since then. Have you uh, gotten any more feedback about that book? Uh, Where's it going since uh, we last talked? Well, as you know, that book was stamped forbidden, every single word of it, by the government. The last time we heard from them, this is my attorneys in Washington, D.C., the National Whistleblower Center. They got a letter in around end of April saying that, I, uh, I would be breaking the law by if I were to go. Because my attorneys told the government, you're moving forward. You have the Constitution is very clear. We gave you an opportunity, several opportunities, over nine months. And now we're going to publish it. Come and stop it if you want to stop it. So 
I um, I decided I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And as I have uh, said before uh, during our interview, past interviews, uh, I uh, the publishers, the mega publishers, the mid-sized publishers, they all said no, they would not touch this book, even if it came with a guarantee of success, no matter how big of a success, because they wanted to have an explicit blessing from the FBI saying yes. I can, I, Sabelle Edmonds, can publish this book. So I said, fine, I'm going to go ahead and publish it. So I published it through Amazon, self-publishing. Uh, before that, I went and I found a, a, an editor, a very nice uh, gentleman, and I found someone to help me with the cover, etc. And through Amazon and Kindle, uh, I, I published it. It came out the uh, first week in May, end of April. Uh, I'm still not in jail. I'm thinking maybe Obama has been too busy with, with all the elections. And the other thing I'm thinking, Holder has been under all the scandals with Fast and Furious, so they haven't had time for the little guys and the little pesty, uh, pesty whistleblowers. So according to my attorney, they can still come after you. They can even come after you a year from now. I am still keeping the book out there. It's available in print through Amazon, but people can also get the electronic version through uh, Kindle. But the fact that publishers would not touch it, A, because of the government. Another publisher, big publisher, either Random House or uh, I forgot which one, their uh, editor-in-chief, he said that um, they would really consider it and they would like it if I were to take the last three chapters on Obama and just end it with Bush. <laughs> Uh -huh. He said, well, just, this is, just take the Obama out of it. You know, all the stuff, the, the gag orders came through the Bush administration. Why don't you keep him out of it and just end it with Bush 2008? <laughs> I said, this is a memoir. Okay, this is facts, and the facts are not, you know, that's what It doesn't end when the Bush administration ends, exactly. All right, unfortunately, <laughs> we're fresh out of time. We're going to have to leave things there. But, uh, but Savelle Edmonds, once again, my hat's off to you, not only for the Boiling Frogs post site and your memoirs, but all of the work that, uh, that you're doing behind the scenes on all of these issues and uh, once again I hope people will continue to follow BoilingFrogsPost.com on a daily basis so much information coming out and my eye opener was not out uh, as scheduled today it will be coming out tomorrow for all of you out there so stay tuned for that Spell Edmonds thank you again for your time tonight it thank is you, really James. appreciated it's an honor to have you as a partner alright excellent well let's leave it there I will be back with you all tomorrow night talking to Leon Pittard out in Australia about the Australian police state so we'll talk then until then thank you for listening and take care.